Coming up on Behind the Woman. If you want diversity, you have a choice. There are diverse candidates in this race. My name is Shadia Tadros. I'm running for city court judge. We may have been low income, but you know, we were raised with values and morals. You're not always getting the most competent person for the job. You may be getting someone that has use their privilege to get that job. It's one thing to push other people to take risks and put themselves out there, but we have to be willing to do it ourselves. This program is brought to you by the members of WCNY. Thank you. National Grid is proud to support Behind the Woman because of the energy it provides to our community. Welcome to Behind the Woman. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Dr. Johanna Rogers. On tonight's episode, we're going to meet Shadia Tadros. She's a woman that's inspiring other women to run, not for exercise, but also for political office. She's shattering glass ceilings, and she's attempting to break barriers. Let's meet Shadia. My name is Shadia Tadros, and I'm the owner of Tadros Law Office, and I'm also a candidate for city court judge. So I grew up uh, south side of Syracuse. Um, my parents had immigrated to Syracuse a few years before I was born because of manufacturing and um, unskilled labor. It was actually a hot spot for many immigrants. Um, and. I stayed there through high school. So the South Side was a working class neighborhood. It was a mix. There was uh, black families, white families, Native American families. I mean, it was absolutely a um, melting pot of all of the different cultures. And everyone knew one another by name. We played outside all day in the streets. Um, it was actually an ideal childhood. I did great in elementary school. And then the chaos of middle school, when you have to switch classes and not having a single teacher all day, I, I just did not like um, the chaos. So I started skipping school. I didn't do as well in school as um, I used to in elementary school. And then I got to high school and it was sort of the same thing. I just wanted to work and make money and um, graduate. So it was my high school counselor. She took an interest and she paid attention and she said, what's your goal here? I said, I just, I, I gotta get out of here. I wanna be out. And she was like, well, apply to a college outside of Syracuse. She said, where do you wanna go? I said, New York City. And she pointed to a poster on the wall and it was Long Island University. And she was like, it's right outside of New York City. How about applying there? And she gave me the poster and she told me to put it on my wall as a vision board which again, now in retrospect, I know it was a vision board, but you know, I didn't know that then. I put it on my wall and I ended up going to LIU. So when I got to college, um, I was part of the HEOP program, which was for uh, low income city kids. I had always noticed how my parents would be discriminated against because they didn't speak English, um, you know, strongly enough. So as soon as folks heard the accent, whatever prejudices or stereotypes come with that, you know, I realized that speaking English was 
very important. I didn't want any reason for anyone to be able to feel superior or act superior, um, and so that was why I majored in English. September 11th happened, and I was in Long Island, which is about maybe 20 minutes outside of, um, you know, ground zero. Everything turned very political very fast, and I never really paid too much attention to politics like that, but being Arab and learning about, you know, the Patriot Act and just that they were going to, um, that the country was going to go to war in the Middle East where, all, you know, I have a lot of family still. All of that piqued my interest into so many different things. I just, I dove in into all of it. So I knew at that point um, that I would study law and I would probably study immigration law and criminal law. And so I decided to apply to law schools outside of New York City. And I ended up on the extreme end of things saying that I wanted a break and wanted a small town feel. Uh, so I went to Penn State for law school, which was a culture shock, um, a complete 180 from New York City in any way you can ever dream of. And that was my first experience with white rural America. People would always ask me what I am, you know, what are you? Uh, all they knew was black, white, and Spanish. And post-September 11th, Arab wasn't really something you wanted to um, tell these folks. So um, it did prepare me for the world. I decided that I wanted to practice my own kind of law. I've always been confident enough to do my own thing. I mean, even when I decided to move back to Syracuse, when I had conversations with people, they were like, you know, you're not gonna make the same money. Why would you come back? You know, where are you gonna find your client base? Just every kind of negative idea you could have about trying to start your own practice. And I just, I, you know, was steadfast and I knew exactly what I was gonna do and I did it. The best thing I think I've ever learned was if you ever feel helpless, be helpful because it completely switches the dynamic from being a victim to being powerful and taking charge and actually helping people. And it's something I've done, you know, my whole, my whole life. I stay in my lane. I don't want to be anyone else. I just want to be me and be the best me I can be. You tell me all the time, I like, I need to be here. Like, where am I going? I got to set up roots. Like, yeah, Syracuse is a perfect place to do it. It's a perfect place. Because you've done it. I came back to do it. You came back to do it. But you grew up here. Yeah, I grew up here. And you came back. Yeah, but Syracuse is going through, like, a renaissance period. So we need all the talent and um, good folks we can get and keep them. Right. It's part of a movement. It's part of a movement. You're kind of leading the movement. Wow. Attorney. Shadia Tadros. Yeah, I wouldn't say leading the movement. <laughs> but um, I'm definitely tapped into it, and I want to push it as hard as I, as I can. Yeah, and you're doing that. I remember, well, you're always around. Support, community, anything. You're coming out, you're there. And I think what has resonated and drawn me to you is I'm just like, she doesn't have to be. Like, you're an attorney at law. You got your own practice. You're not working for someone else. Like, you started your own. Mm -hmm. And you're very intentional about letting the community know that I'm from here. I came back here, and I established my practice here. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people doing a lot of 
good work and it's about supporting that because everyone especially now with this weather everyone could easily just go home you know turn down the lights and and stay home but there's people out here working and trying to make the city a better place and trying to make the world a better place and if all i have to do is show up and be a part of it that's that's the easy part i mean there's other people doing the hard work every day yeah. and yeah. so why not support that yeah so over the summer, maybe going into the fall, I was like, I reached out to you because you were doing something that I had never met anyone doing before. You were running for city court judge. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, this woman is fearless. Like that to me as like a, a brown faced girl, like I had never known someone like in my peer group to do that and was doing it almost like in step as we were watching the nation, kind of women come forward and being like, you know what, I'm gonna do it too. And I just thought that that was just like superwoman badass. Well, thank you. <laughs> what made you, what led you to do that? Well, it was what was needed. So I guess I like being in the ring, I like fighting, and so I like um, pushing myself and pushing my community. And it's one thing to uh, push other people to take risks and put themselves out there, but we have to be willing to do it ourselves. And so that was a big part of it, is that I know I was the only person um, that had ever run for office out of my friends, family, uh, you know, across the board. And that was more reason why I did it. And that's important, right, because I think coming up or like when you think about running for political office it's often people who's like their family has done it mm -hmm. before like they kind of know like i had no idea what it would take um the financial commitment the time commitment like we started having conversations and i'm like shadia can you do this and you had to be like well i have to think about all these other things and it was a learning experience for me just watching you do it and for me too so politics like everything else is a hustle and so if you have parents in politics, they'll school you to the game. If you have parents in sports, they school you to the game. That's why you have a lot of athletes that have parent athletes. Right. And it, it was just one of those things. And I, I have no problem jumping in and learning it. And now that I've learned what I've learned, I, I like to teach others and get others involved. Uh, it would be, it's exactly what they want for us to say. It's not our realm. It's not an area we should get involved in. It's an old boy network. It's a dynasty network. Um, but unless we jump in, then there's no changing it. And that we was- We gotta jump in. We gotta jump in, all we of us. We gotta jump in, all of us. And what, I met your mom the night of the primary. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you have an interesting story because you also grew up south side of Syracuse, this urban community that is often very pushed into this image of just poverty and just um, disarray. But you come from that community and I think you do a great job of talking about the potential that exists there. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Well, the potential is always there. So I don't like the, the label of poor because we may have been low income, but you know we were raised with values and morals in a, a tight-knit family, a tight-knit community mm -hmm. uh, within our street and everything else. So you can have a lot of money and not have any of those things. And right. The important, what is important is what I was raised with. Right. Um, but we're an immigrant family, so uh, you know we, we sort of march to our own drum <laughs> and on the south side of Syracuse that was accepted and welcomed and we were just part of a, a larger family uh, I had great primary schools that I went to and um, you know I never knew 
what my background was so much until I started being exposed to other networks and other backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And then it sort of put everything in perspective now, and especially because I'm a lawyer now, um, that a lot of what people say about the community just isn't true. Uh, because they've only seen one aspect of the community from the news or from whatever. And I'm okay with that as, as long as it stays a secret within us and we continue to um, harness and nurture the good qualities. Right. Because um, oft so oftentimes when you come from an urban community or from a family that um, immigrated here, you're often talked about with this like undertone of like negative ideals about who you are oftentimes like you know to not have all things financially mm -hmm. means that you may be worth less and what i often have to think about is like i grew up in a with a great support network right right i may not have had all of the things that you know upper middle class or middle class families have that type of stability but i didn't know that it's not until later in life when I go out to places and people are like, oh, you're from there, mm -hmm. that it becomes apparent to me that my life is thought about in a different way. So what I find, too, is that disadvantaged communities um, are advantaged in so many different ways. So mm -hmm. the world isn't going to continue giving you things. Right. You have to go out there and earn it, work for it, it. and uh, show people what you're made of. Right. You ran for office. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we kind of talked about off camera, I'm like, let me check in with you, Shadia. Is it going to be okay? You didn't win. I did not win. You didn't win. And I was flying the night of um, the elections. I was leaving town. I was flying. And I thought it was kind of ironic because I landed in Atlanta where Stacey Abrams was running. Mm -hmm. And then I left there and went into Miami where um, the, the black male that was running for governor there. And I was just like... Tonight can be like a, a historic night, and I feel like I'm leaving Syracuse, traveling mm. to Atlanta. I could be touching down in all the places where we make history. And a part of me was just like crushed by the time I got to the hotel room, because I was like, these, these Shadia, who I know, Stacey Abrams, she hadn't conceded. There was like ideas around that. And Florida, we didn't know what was exactly going to happen, and you didn't win, right? But there's this precedent set. But I was very concerned because I'm like, what do you do the next day? Well, <clears throat> don't cry for me. I mean, I'm still, right, a, right. I'm still a successful practicing lawyer. I mean, <laughs> I was the first to go to college, first to go to law school, first to do everything I've, I've ever done. Um, by all accounts, I'm a success. I'm in the process of, you know, um, working and just making myself and the world a better place. And the same with Stacey Abrams and, um, and, and the Florida governor, uh, Gilliam, that, that ran. Mm -hmm. uh, in a couple of years, hopefully in a decade, we'll look back and think, what, what happened? How did those people not win? Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, we will win because people will see that now and they'll decide to run for office. And it's just about progress. It's all about pushing the needle. I mean, I was always the underdog mm -hmm. in the race, but I always said I would you know, do my best and make sure that I, that I won with my community's support. That was the only way I wanted to do it. And it's, it is about setting precedent. It's, look, I did it. Uh, you know, humble beginnings, female, uh, you know, no husband, no father running my campaign, just mm. putting myself out there based on the community. And, you know, I did fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
And so I may not have won that seat, mm -hmm. but the whole point of me running was to push criminal justice reform issues and, um, you know, just put Southside on the map and put women on the map and mm -hmm. uh, first generation Americans on the map, first generation college graduates. I mean, all of that. All that. And, all that. and we did that. You did. Mm -hmm. So I think about that day after. Um, and we're both reading Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Mm -hmm. And you were like, I listened to it. You got the podcast or whatever, um, or the audio book. I'm reading it. And one of the things she talked about in that book was almost, you know, my, the time in the White House is over. And we now have our own home. It's like after you're done doing that. She talks about like, what next? That becoming, I have to do something now. My life isn't over there. You still have more time. So in the spirit of that, in Michelle Obama's book and this notion of becoming, what's next for you? I mean, sky's the limit, mm -hmm. right? And you see Obama, uh, Michelle Obama's out there mm -hmm. working and pushing the message and everything she's saying is just by being herself and being authentic and putting her story out there, she's literally changing lives. And that's what I tried to do. And that's what a lot of women are doing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know exactly what's next, but I'm excited for it. I mean, the, I have faith that I'll work as hard as I can mm -hmm. and I will be steered into what's next. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the whole point of me ever getting to where I am in life isn't just about me and myself having resources. It's about what do I learn? What resources do I have? And what do I take back to the community and share and, and bring folks up behind me? And that's the same thing Michelle Obama is doing. And I think that's what most Americans um, are looking for. People just need a guiding light. Mm -hmm. And I'm blessed to be able to uh, be that person in my little neck of the woods. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for being that person in our little neck of the woods. Mm -hmm. um, I think you're inspiring many of us to like push the needle. When we think about the advancement of civil rights and political office, women have always been behind the efforts. What's happening across our country and in this community now is that women are standing up and they're standing in front. Shadia is inspiring a new wave of these women to get involved, and she is bringing them forward. Let's meet some of the women that's been inspired to get involved. A lot of us can talk a good game about wanting diversity, demanding diversity, but will we actually designate minorities to run for office? Will we actually elect women and minorities to run for office? We're demanding diversity from a whole lot of folks and yet nobody is doing it themselves. I'm running for city court judge. It is a 10 year term. The city of Syracuse has nine judges that sit on the bench. And um, sometimes the seats become available often, like we've seen in the last three years, over 50% of the bench has been elected. And then other times we can go years without a seat opening up. City court is the court that everyday residents will have the most interaction with. It is traffic, it is misdemeanors, violations, uh, lower offenses, and small claims court, housing court. So this is by all, by all standards, the people's court. If you really want reform, uh, what you want is new judges. We need new perspective. We need to change the entire culture of uh, the city court. And I'm hoping that me winning this seat and getting on the bench will um, help turn the tide and we can get other people to run for these seats. And 
you know, take over the bench. Hi, I'm Gwen Weber McLeod. I'm the president and CEO of Gwen Inc. And I'm a former candidate for the Cuga County Legislature in Auburn, New York. I love Shadia Tadros. I am actually one of her fans, and I watched her campaign and all the hard work that she had to do and all of the knocking on the doors and all the collecting of those signatures and going into communities where people might not even want to see you. And I thought that if she could do it, I could do it too. And at the time, I wasn't really thinking about running for political office, but about a year and a half later, the opportunity presented itself to me. and. The minute I started feeling fearful about it, I reminded myself of how brave she was, and I said, if Shadia can do it, I can do it too. On election night, we were one vote apart. There was a one vote difference between me and my opponent. And we had to go into the absentee ballot process. When we stepped into that process, we discovered that there had been some fraudulent activity. With the absentee ballots, we challenged them, and even putting our best foot forward, we still weren't able to get the numbers to turn. So I lost that campaign technically by 14 votes. But I really feel like, and I remember Shadia saying something like this when she didn't win the first time, that it was a win for her community and a win for women in politics. And I feel that exact same way about my campaign. You're not always getting the most competent person for the job. You may be getting someone that has used their privilege to get that job. And the only way we change the system is by different people running different, competent, qualified people running for office. And so it's important to be the test run. I mean, to make sure that if I run, then other people know that they can run as well, building an infrastructure for other women to come behind me, other minorities to come behind me and run themselves. I think that's the only way we change um, the look of local government. And it's how we actually get a seat at the table. My name is Tatiana Parker, and I work for the New York State Senate as a director of constituent services, and I'm also a civic activist in the community. So everybody says, you know, we just, we want equity of opportunity. We want everybody to have equal opportunity, right? But if you keep us out of positions in government, we can't reach back and bring people forward so you continue to hoard these opportunities. I firmly believe that for black girls, women of color in, in general, and girls of color, we literally need to see someone doing it in order to believe that we can do it. Because if you look into most systems, you don't see us at all. How can organizations and structures create policies and implement change if they only have one worldview? What results from that is policy that may be intentionally or unintentionally uh, classist, sexist, and racist. We're never gonna just be handed a seat at the table. No one is going to forego a position to give one of us a position. It's just not going to happen. It's not the way the world works. And we can't politely sit at the sidelines waiting for someone to invite us to the table because the mere invitation might be taking away um, their seat at the table. I mean, literally, when you're running for these seats, you may be taking food out of their mouths because if they don't win the seat, they don't get the salary, they don't get the job, and then what are they going to do with themselves? So it's literally um, 
a, you know, a fight for survival for many people, especially when they're doing it for the wrong reasons. It's literally just titles and salaries. And we have to make sure that we're the ones willing to, we're willing to fight and that we have other people that have fought before us and that we learn, we get the rundown real quick, we learn the system and, you know, we run and we take those seats. We have to take those seats. And so I can't tell anyone how to vote or where to vote or anything of that nature, but what I can say is, if you want diversity, you have a choice. There are diverse candidates in this race. If you want, uh, if diversity is not important to you, then you don't need to choose diverse candidates and you can continue with the status quo. Thank you. Shadia Tadros is taking action. The women she is inspiring are taking action. And we hope you will do the same. Thank you for joining us on tonight's episode of Behind the Woman. We look forward to seeing you back with us next week. Next week on Behind the Woman. Anytime I see people who look like me on television, they are in handcuffs or it's a mugshot. I've always been a community-focused person, and so now that I get to tell stories, it's translated into that. Definitely struggling, but I was struggling for my dream. My passion is mentoring young journalists, and so I established a partnership with ITC to be able to really evoke change in a community and, and shift the conversations and make sure that history doesn't repeat itself. This program is brought to you by the members of WCNY. Thank you. VIP Structures, 45 years of integrated solutions offering architecture, engineering, construction, and development. VIP, creating sustainable structures designed and built to enrich neighborhoods and strengthen communities. Experience the creative, collaborative difference at VIP. National Grid is proud to support Behind the Woman because of the energy it provides to our community.